Hello, lovely learners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the podcast. Before we jump into this episode, I want to take a sec to mention to you that if you found value in this podcast or are about to enjoy an awesome episode, then there is a way for you to support us monetarily. Do you have two euros lying around? Since you might not be spending that on your weekly coffee at Starbucks, you can get some awesome benefits by supporting us on Patreon, such as getting access to the VIP discussion area, being able to ask future guests questions in advance, and even being able to access my PDF of how to start a podcast, but that's at a higher tier. If you check out the link in the description where it says Patreon, then it would mean the world to me if you could help support this podcast starting only from two euros. It's super simple and it's a way for you to connect with me and also show your support. I appreciate it and now enjoy this episode. We're live. Today I'm speaking with Katja Olenik. She is a trainer active in youth NGOs around Europe and the head of HR at Transform and very passionate about the power of communities and what we can do to learn from them optimally. Today we're looking at how to use communities and make them more efficient to be able to learn from them and also why training communities need to be better. Katja, you came up with this topic and I'd like to ask how are you doing and how are you feeling in today's communities? Yes, hello Oscar, first of all. Um... Thank you very much for having me here and for your just doing this, uh, hosting this Trainers Forum podcast. That's uh, a really inspiring addition to Trainers Forum. Um, so today I'm doing very well, actually, because I um, am enjoying, no, not necessarily enjoying, but I'm trying to make the best out of this um, quarantine. So maybe for everyone who's listening in the in the future, we are now about three weeks into, at least in Slovenia, since the corona epidemics was um, announced and everything was put on lockdown. Um, so I'm trying to be present in this uh, time of lockdown for myself and for my own uh, processes and development, but also for the people uh, in my communities. And um, every day brings a new opportunity for an online meeting, for a hangout, for a meeting of friends to either talk out or work on some new projects that may or may not exist in the future. And that's okay. Also for the ones that may not, um, basically I had to play around and, uh, it's an interesting time right now. I feel to explore, um, the potential of, of, uh, learning and training communities, um, and their scope really in this time where we don't have anything else to do then catch up with friends 100 percent. yeah especially now it's very important that people have a sense of belonging in some kind of community and also beyond their families and close friends so that they can really connect with others who are passionate about what they are as well so you came up with the idea of wanting to talk about communities and how we can make them better and yeah, I want to know what's your experience in this and where does this question come from? Yeah, well, for me, um, the, in, the experience with training communities, first of all, I should probably give a bit of a disclaimer that this all comes from training in youth NGOs. So this is my, my playground. It has been since I became trainer two and a half years ago. It's discovering different student associations and, and what they do and how they approach training. Um, and it's also a bit of my nomadic soul, let's call it, um, in trying to really find home in people and not in places and hmm. being willing and interested in exploring what lays beyond uh, um, maybe your net, your starting network, your starting community, the place where you're thrown into. Um when you become a trainer, so what lays beyond that? Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing quite actively for the last year. I've been jumping around um, from my home base association, which is, so I'm a pharmacist. Um, so I'm active in EPSA, that's the European Pharmaceutical Student Association. We have a relatively small training project in comparison to some other bigger student NGOs. So that has 
for two years and a half now been my home base. But um, I decided uh, early last year to start exploring a little bit more actively what lays beyond that. So I started getting involved with some other um, student NGOs that also do training. And then eventually I came to Trainers Forum and I'm now and then uh, into Trainers Forum Council. And then ultimately I also... Um, was part of a trainers forum local community that we that we started also around a year ago so maybe later we can also circle back to that a little bit yeah you told me before the before we started recording that it's very important to look at um, that community aspect of uh, all these different networks that we're part of because often as students or even professionals we're thrown into a company or um, a community that we want to be a part of, but somehow the community aspect of really getting to know who else is there is missing. And that's a really cool thing to dive into of like, how can we transform networks into more understanding and compassionate com communities, right? Yeah, exactly. First of all, it was actually, um, this is something that I only recently found out um, about this distinction I was talking with a friend from EPSA called David, and he really was the first to kind of brought to my attention this distinction between a network and a community, because I've been really quite heavily involved with my networks, I suppose, for uh, the past year that I started identifying them as communities, but mm -hmm. they are different. And the way that you can describe this difference, I think for me, the easier way to describe it is network is more about opportunistic kind of working to really working together, searching for um, opportunities that can ultimately help develop yourself, but you maybe don't pay that much attention to the development of others. Whereas mm. communities really are more altruistic, I feel, and are more about being together, belonging together. And they have this sense of um, belonging, first of all, of being a part of something bigger. That's, uh, for me, a very crucial aspect of a community. But then also um, taking care of each other in order for you to ultimately take responsibility of your own growth. So that's another uh, crucial thing for me and my trainer development is um, trainer's ownership and how much mm -hmm. ownership we actually take uh, of the development um, that we're undertaking. Because again, I feel in the network, you're more kind of let to just float around in the interactions that are happening. And maybe you cannot, I mean, you can control them to, to an extent, but a lot of it um, is just reactive, I feel. Whereas in community, uh, since there is there this interconnected growth, you can take more ownership on the processes and you can make sure that whilst you're growing, others are growing as well. And then because they are growing, by reciprocity, you're growing too. Yeah. And as human beings, like once you've fulfilled the basic needs, one of the more important parts of like living a decent life is being part of something that you feel connected with and that is meaningful to you. So making a network into a community, I think is very important. And so, yeah, what we want to do is like look at how can we make networks or how have you seen networks transform into communities yourself? What are some aspects there? Yeah, maybe I would, um, since I'm quite a pragmatic thinker, maybe I would start with what not to do, and then we mm -hmm. can circle back to, to what to do. Um, in some of your past episodes of Trainers Lifestyle Podcast, uh, a lot of guests were talking about this um, staying true to your core values, and there is a market for everyone um, because everyone brings their own uniqueness and their own niche, right? Mm -hmm. However, as someone with a lot of experiences in, in youth training, I cannot always really believe that because I feel that maybe opportunities will not be limited, but resources will always be limited. 
That's why there will always be an aspect of competition, of jealousy, of feeling left out. And I think a lot of times we're doing us, ourselves a disservice uh, trying to ignore those things and not acknowledge them um, because they do exist and they will always be present. So we have to have this conversation about how to work with them, not around them, but how to work with them. Working with competition and uh, the clashing aspect of networks, you're saying? Yes, exactly. Or also just working with the fact that in a very basic example, when you have 10 trainers applying for an event, but only two spots for trainers, eight of these people will be left out. Mm-hmm. And what I'm lacking maybe in youth student associations at least in my experience, is more of this communication to these people who were not accepted into why. Um, What were the aspects of them being left out? Because I feel um, there are these communication theories, right? That when a message is kind of communicated only kind of halfway, our brain Mm -hmm. will naturally revert to the negative which means that if you do not get clear feedback into why you were left out of something, you just get some some of this, you know, generic email, like, we apologize for not accepting you, all candidates were very good, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Your brain will naturally revert to, I'm not good enough. Um, I will never be good enough. They don't want me there. I'm not, you know, cool enough, talented enough, beautiful enough, young enough, whatever you have. Um, this negative self-talk will really prevail when you don't get clear information, I feel. So I think we mm-hmm. need to have more clear conversation about this um, exclusion before we talk even about inclusion in training communities. Because when we clarify exclusion better, we'll be able to understand um, how to create better inclusion, if that makes sense. Yeah. And one way I can see that happening, I mean, just from your personal example of getting a generic rejection email is yeah pointing out the specific things that they would have wanted to see more of because that way there's no doubt uh for a person to assume what they could have done better or throw throwing doubt onto themselves basically but also yeah that comes comes with the mind mindsets like yeah a lot of rejection emails will probably be difficult for most people but and that is what a network can do to attract more people and seem more attractive is to get more personal, I guess. That to an extent, but I would not necessarily, for me, getting more personal is always kind of has this um, subtext, right? Of um, uh, So having a personal relationship to someone kind of like, let's first be friends and then we'll work together. I don't necessarily think that that's a prerequisite for training communities, for example, in Trainers Forum Council, we all gathered first to work together. Mm-hmm. And now we really feel like we've started to grow into community just oh yeah, yeah. because sure. of belonging together, working to um, towards the same goals. Even though there might not have been so much personal connection and facilitated one-to-one conversations, they happen spontaneously. So I think maybe it's not the personal aspect that's missing in um, trainer communities, but it's really just more clarity. And especially, I, I really like this word transparency, which for me means not trying to embellish things for people, mm-hmm. because that ultimately, like maybe in the in the moment, you will be able to soften some punches, but long-term it will always end up um, having a negative um impact. So I think this clarity and transparency is needed because we have to be mindful of what inner talk people have with themselves when they're rejected, for example. And I think there is a very, very big difference between having an inner talk about, I'm just not there yet. Um, I just need some more experience, some more need to grow, some more grow to some, to overcome some more challenges versus I'm not good enough and I will never be good mm-hmm. enough and I will never be good enough to belong. Yeah, yeah, this is a, it's a big difference. And true, transparency is a great place to start with it already. Exactly. And apart from transparency, 
what are some other tools that uh, networks can use to become more community-based and feeling like a, a place to belong to? Yeah, well, one thing that um, is crucial in my um, experience is listening to each other. And I know that this is the most generic thing that anyone will ever tell you about anything communication related, but it is that important. One of my ever favorite quotes, um, communication related, is by Celeste Hadley. And she says, don't just be two people shouting out barely related sentences in the same place. Because <laughs> sadly, that's what a lot of communication can boil down to, especially when there's distractions present in the moment and you're not really mindful of each other. But especially something that happens a lot with trainers, which actually... Um, Credits to um, Andre, I think, good friend to Trainers Forum, so I think you know him, Oscar. Um, he told me last year after Trainers Conference where I met him that he feels a lot of... When you put trainers together, they will really have this tendency to one-up each other. Um, so I think one very unhealthy thing in communities is... Over comparison, and I say over comparison because you're always gonna be compare. You're always compare yourself with others, no matter what. But I think there is, a, like, an acceptable amount of doing that, and then there is really just an unhealthy amount of being prone to this comparison and competition, and really having this kind of mentality of. Um, you know, processing other people's success by saying to yourself, hey, I already did this and I did it better and I did it when I was um, earlier in my, you know, trainer's path than you and I had better outcomes and blah, blah, blah. I think that's a very unhealthy um, emotion. So what I'm missing a lot of times is more of being genuinely happy for successes of others in trainers community. Again, this is connected to the lack of resources that we were talking about before, right? Because you know that when someone um, has reached some success, you know that you're staying behind. But then there's also um, this pretext that um, I think every healthy community should adopt that every single person is on their own path. Mm -hmm. And that years of experience and of numbers of hours of training delivered and numbers of certification and whatever have you, all of these are just some objective measures and they cannot really accurately tell um, how experienced you are and what stage of development you're on. Of course. And in, in each aspect matters differently to people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally what you're saying is even though saying let's not compare each other to ourselves is very easy to say, it's less easy to do, but it's a, it's a good step to start with. And going back to your starting with listening is super important. And I, an idea that came to mind that um, happens in coaching is like different levels of uh, speaking to one another, where you were saying that sometimes trainers will just be like talking about themselves, me, 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 and a cool diagram that I have in front of me it's called the levels of speaking to each other levels of questioning and that's like the first level where a person is just going me 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 talking about themselves then the second level level would be um, me and then you like I talk about myself and you talk about uh, myself or very but one directional only with stating facts then the third level would be um, going into learning questions so asking um, what does that really mean and what, how did that make you feel? And then the fourth level, which is like the deepest level you could say is um, asking questions about the unspoken, like about body language or curiosity and what, what was that really like? Exactly, and, being fully present. Yeah, and that's just a way to look at how you can listen more actively is trying to go for that level three or four more often than just speaking about yourself in the first person. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think this is also something that's very important to first adopt for trainers in relationship to their participants. And oh, yeah. um, maybe that's something that we can um, 
kind of connect back to the start of the episode where you were asking me about this why, right? Um, for me, trainer communities are also, and the reason why I'm interested in this topic is because it comes up on every trainer's list when you ask them why they do it and specifically why they continue to do it. Because communities of trainers are a safe haven and are a place to unload in a way because it's very draining to be participant focused. It's, mm -hmm. it's a core demand to every trainee, to every trainer. I feel like this is really the one core value that we all have to share that our trainings are in essence for our participants, not for ourselves. It's usually the first thing that they teach you in uh, any kind of training new trainers event. And it's the, usually the most difficult one to really start practicing. But once you do, mm, it's a really draining experience, as I said, because you have to give everything on the floor and you don't get, I mean, you do get things back, obviously, usually tenfold, but through some a bit more complex processes. So that's why we go to train our communities to just unwind, I feel, and just to find something for ourselves as well, right? Because we're giving everything that we have in our training to our participants, which means that we also have to find a place that is just for ourselves. So I also like to call it trainer self-care. Um, all of these awesome. things in trainings that you do that are ultimately just for you and for your own, even sanity sometimes, but especially for your um, comfort, let's say. Yeah. You know, I'd never thought of that as a benefit because, no, but it's so true. Yeah, like Trainers Forum is a great place for that because of the events that we host. And um, yeah, like in any human-focused profession, coaching, therapy, and yeah, training as well. Exactly. So for me, this listening also works... Um, from the other way around of also being surrounded with people who will accept your me, 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 me speech in uh, really crucial moments when you just need to, you know, get stuff out of your system. Mm -hmm. And you're not really expecting much of their, you know, response or feedback or... Um, a lecture sometimes that's what follows but if you have this kind of conversation maybe with someone who's a mentoring figure to you but you just need someone <laughs> to be the sponge and absorb you know the frustrations and the things that come from maybe failed sessions or um, events that went below expectations or terrible logistics and stuff like that <laughs> um, definitely not speaking from experience right no yeah no yeah <laughs> And yeah, moving a bit into the virtual and online space, space, since we're doing that a lot right now, yes. how do you think, I don't know if you have an answer for this, but how do you think we can do, uh, we can listen better in online learning and communities? Well, that's um, an interesting question for these days. For me is um, you have to start again <laughs> with what can't you transfer online, right? Because the fourth stage, the, the pure listening of a person as a, as a being with uh, body language and facial cues, etc., is very limiting in an online setting. It's made easier with cameras and so on, but it's still a 2D experience, right? So you have to realize that you will not be able to get to some stages that you can access face-to-face. -face. I think, again, this is just like something that you have to accept and start stop trying to obsess about it so that you can move mm. forward for the things that you can control. Uh, and better listening online, for me, it always comes down to distractions, which are so easy when you're online. Um, which are especially easy when you're in these meetings where you have to also deal with some documents and then you have Zoom open in one tab and <laughs> and uh, Google Docs in another and then in GSF meetings, uh, so transform meetings, we usually have glass frogs or a platform for holacracy also open. And then it becomes this mess and then you have this chat for everyone and then you have personal chats 
with people which if I can have like a small insert if there's anyone from Zoom listening can you guys please find out a way to have personal chats separated from the chats from everyone because it happened to me so many times <laughs> in this quarantine that I completely got sidetracked for the meeting because I had four different personal chats going on and I was like you and 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 you and did I reply to you and I shouldn't reply to everyone <laughs> so yeah as a bit of a, yes yeah 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 as a bit of an insert so um i mean yeah, humans for anybody that uses zoom like that yeah humans get distracted right we we get distracted so easily even when we are face to face when we have the person 20 centimeters away from ourselves right so if we take this as a like this is our base baseline communication face to face and still 80% not really paying attention to what is happening and and now imagine trying to transfer online when I'm in Slovenia and you're in Switzerland um so obviously there's so many things on our channel right that are standing in our way so for me active listening yeah so we're removing distractions really starts yeah. with focus and Getting away with the distraction, closing Facebook and Telegram and WhatsApp and whatever you have, and really trying to be fully present uh, in the meeting. Sometimes um, taking minutes of the meeting can be a very effective way to listen better. <laughs> um, True. Yeah, for the person that's writing down what's happening, exactly. then it's good, great, great for them because they have to pay attention. But, but it also is dependent a little bit of the meeting design because when you have meetings, when you're actively trying to create something, everyone will usually pay just that much more attention than when you have just these meetings trying to update each other, right? That's why we're trying to have now this move maybe in Trainers Forum a little bit, in our council a little bit more towards meetings where we're really creating stuff together and not just saying, hey, I did that, I did that, and then maybe two or three people get involved in the discussion, but we left all of the others somewhere in playing Minesweeper on their desktop, probably because they just spaced out. <laughs> yeah, and that actually applies to like communities in general of needing to get everybody involved to contribute something, because that makes them feel a lot more involved, and that way they're like feeling more connected as well just by contributing and building this this sphere of people. Exactly. And there's, uh, as I said, I think in the beginning, so the sense of being part of something bigger than yourself uh, mm -hmm. in that's very prevalent in communities. And I think the, the fastest way to um, create that is really give people small but specific tasks which we with which they can contribute to a bigger product and or a service or an event or a pros, project what have you um but i said specifically small and specific because then they'll actually see the results that they're creating and be inspired by like this puzzle that has come together and will in turn create this positive loop of wanting to do more and then continuing and continuing Exactly. Snowball effect. Hi, you've reached the mid-episode break. Listening to Trainers Lifestyle, a podcast provided by Trainers Forum, which you can check out at trainersforum.org. And to connect with us and to learn more about myself, you can go to oscarward.com. All the links are in the description. And as I said at the beginning, I'd love your support. We have a Patreon account and you can support this podcast with simply paying two euros per month or simply shout us out on social media, tag us in, on Instagram, or on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and share with your friends. And if you want to be really involved, you can also send, send me a voice message with the last link in the description with any questions to future guests or about the topic of learning in general. I really want to hear from you. So if there's anything that you want to say, send us a voice message or tag us everywhere. On Instagram, you can tag Trainers Forum or myself, Oscar All Day. We're in a post with Trainers Forum. Your support means the world to us. So I hope you're enjoying the show and let's get back into it. Is there any other differences you see between like offline and online communities? Uh, I think all of the communities that I'm part of have an online aspect, well, almost all. We'll get later to the <laughs> local hub. Um, but almost all international communities that I'm a part of have an aspect of online 
communication mm-hmm. because international communities means that people are scattered around Europe and even though I'd love to, I cannot have them living on my couch, right? <laughs> okay, maybe let me rephrase the question. Um, what are some ways that um, offline versus online communities can work better, respectively? Uh-huh. Um, one thing that I feel is important is to understand that whenever you have an international community that cannot be present offline together more than a couple of times per, per year, let's say, that you have to set the relationships in a way that you will sustain the community online. And there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a big difference of sustaining the community online and sustaining the community in life events that maybe happen again a couple of times per year, if you're lucky. Because if you sustain the community uh, in local events, uh, so in, sorry, in events, and then you just try to kind of maintain it online, usually around a couple of weeks after the event, everyone will, you know, just drop out of communication channels People will not feel connected anymore. You know, this you lose this momentum. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have um, communication that's sustained in an online environment, then you can really use these live events to consolidate it, to just add, you know, this cherry on top, this something extra special. But then you go back, you know, to the majority of the year you're working on this online environment and this is your predefined setting and that's where you're home and you're already comfortable with each other so i think there's this um, shift in mentality and it's very visible right now in my um, home-based association so epsa the european pharmaceutical students association because our um, we are really uh, training community we're small so it's easier to spend time together um we have also a lot of events uh, in a year. So we meet often and we're small enough that you really get to interact usually with everyone um, in events, right? So I don't know, there's usually, let's say, 15 to 20 trainers in an event and you really get time to, uh, you get the opportunity to spend time with everyone, right? So when we gather uh, for this week-long events, usually, the sense of belonging and of community and of being connected is like through the roof, right? Like on steroids. But then we go (laughs) to, we have these periods of, I don't know, three, four, sometimes six months during the events. And since there's not a lot of structures in place to um, sustain the community online, the relationship wither very fast. So now, for example, in April, we have our biggest event of the year, the annual Congress, and as everything, it got canceled. And we're finding it actually really challenging to sustain a community online because we just didn't have a lot of systems in place to be able to um, bond and spend time and connect with each other online. We were really so dependent of face-to-face interaction that really shows the importance of like yeah so many points there setting boundaries of and rules of like what's going to happen when we're not meeting and how the physical events can just be the cherry on top so that people can still like work and contribute while online and like you're saying yeah the when you meet is the you really get to build the excitement there to continue going afterwards going to the next point what was um what can people like learn from this how or if they wanted to create a better community what could they do to start well online i would say depends very much on um what you're used working with um for me personally online hangouts where you just put a bunch of people in a zoom room for example and don't give it a lot of structure just don't work because everyone is just you know in their little square on the computer and then as soon as two people talk at the same time it gets awkward but then you also don't try to facilitate the hangout because then it's even more awkward (laughs) Um, I don't know, maybe some groups that really have this internal dynamics developed uh, can work better with it. Uh, But for me, usually these kind of meetings don't succeed. 
So what I've been trying to do uh, with some of my friends, for example, and we also started this actually in Trainers Forum, is to imply some kind of a projective method in order to bond over. So what we had, for example, for the past two weeks in Trainers Forum was um, online game nights, right? So we were playing these mm. games um, via some platform. And of course, physically we were playing a game, but our mental processes were focused about, you know, chit chat and laughing with each other and being present with each other and etc. having some side conversations. Another thing that we did, uh, and that was actually inspired by YTA, so Youth Trainers Academy, where both of us became trainers at. Um, we had with some apps of friends recently a TED talk. It was morning, not evening, <laughs> because we had it in the morning. So we just uh, met in, in the morning, watched some TED talks, and then have some space to comment on them and like how we how we felt watching them, how much we resonated with the messages, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, awesome activity. Yeah. Another thing can just be guided conversation. Um, so for example, in preparation to this podcast, uh, I didn't do what I usually do as a trainer, which is try to find some really hard ass data and research etc um because for me trying to build all of the theories that deal with community management are a little bit too robotic maybe let's say because i just don't feel that communities are something that you can kind of like push into a system and expect that a better community will come out just because there's so many individuals who have different expectations and needs etc so yeah that's as, as a trainer, I usually try to be evidence-based and really try to research um, uh, my content. But this time I opted for something else, which is I actually met with a few friends to talk, to talk out uh, about the topic with them and see what their aspects are. Um, and again, this was for me a very kind of successful online community building because we use this projective method of having a guided conversation about something um, and really, mm -hmm. you know, circling always back to this topic that was in front of us. But in fact, it really was um, a community building aspect of it was that we were self-disclosing, self-disclosing ourselves, yes, um, through this process, right? Because we were sharing our own mm. thoughts and opinions. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that shows the importance of getting expectations right. And also makes me think that um like in a formal community or something that's quite established that onboarding new members is also super important and can make you integrate well. So I'm wondering as the HR lead in Transform, how do you do that? How do you make sure that people feel part of it when a new person wants to join? Right. So one thing that I found out is very important is um, explaining to new members the nature of the communication platform that we use. Because a lot of people, when they're added in things like Slack channels, this and that kind of groups, email, threads, calendars, even, etc., they are afraid in the beginning to explore them and to contribute to them just because they are really so driven by this um, fear of what if I do or say something that's just not appropriate for this platform. So I think a lot of times we're kind of forgetting um, this aspect of onboarding people into especially informal communication channels, right? Because we just think, oh, mm -hmm. okay, this is just a chat we just randomly chat on it. But then also people are nowadays very much more aware, maybe than they were a couple of years ago, what spam is. So then they're like, oh, I have this to share, but I'm not sure, should I? Maybe they're not really doing this in this channel. So I think it's important to have this kind of a conversation of like what goes and what doesn't go. And in Trainers Forum, for now at least, the idea is that everything goes. <laughs> Because yeah, but we also have a a channel in Slack called Random, and that's where we put all our our other crap that 
we want to share. Exactly. But again, I think that we are very open to really all sorts of randomness, just not just maybe something that can be classified by hashtag random, <laughs> but like really all randomness goes because we're really, for now, we're really, the council is small, right? We're around 15 people now. So we're really dependent right now still on people's personal and unique contributions. And I hope personally that we always stay um, co committed to that, even when we expand, because in the end, like that's just the best thing that people can bring, right? Totally. I, I enjoy that for sure. Like, I think it's important for there to be like a, a vessel where you can put all your ex other crap in, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. We have a few minutes left. And so what I'm wondering is for now, is there anything that hasn't been mentioned that's on your mind about communities? Absolutely. I want to spend a few minutes talking about the local hub that we established here in Ljubljana. Okay. What does okay. that mean? So yeah. um, it has been for around a year that I'm aware of, potentially much longer uh, an initiative of Trainers Forum to start building local communities of trainers around Europe, right? So to connect, so more physical. Yes, to connect people physically in one city, for example. Um, and that was to be called Trainers Forum Local Hub. The project is not set up, uh, set off yet. Very soon, we hope. Um, but for around a year or so, we do have now a local community present in Ljubljana of about, I think we're around 10 to 15 trainers now. And uh, basically what we do is um, the same that is done in any international training events. But when I was saying before, like, you cannot, I cannot get people from all of the Europe to spend uh, all the year on my couch <laughs> in local hub we actually did had for example weekend events when we were actually on my couch um, and that bringing trainers into your home and connecting really physically a lot in, um, in your city really has this awesome aspect of accessibility right because especially in youth networks, a lot of us trainers are dependent on having to travel and very often having to invest our own personal resources to even be able to access delivery opportunities, right? And we know that delivery opportunities are really a really strong foundation of growth as a trainer, which means if you don't spend money, you cannot grow. <laughs> And the local hub kind of works around that, right? Um, is gathering trainers in one place and creating opportunities um, or at least sharing opportunities because that's kind of how we started. And at this point, I really have to thank the five people who started this with me around a year ago. So those were Giga, Gasper, Petra and Neva. Well, yeah, I was the fifth one. So basically what we did was we gathered one um, afternoon in a classroom. We had this big whiteboard and we fill it all with, with ideas for projects and collaborations and plans for expansion and what communication networks we should use. And then we met two months later to have another meeting about why we didn't do anything of that yet. <laughs> and just quickly, what was the what was your hoping like the goal that you wanted to do? Why you wanted to do this hub? Why you wanted to make it? That's exactly what was evident from this second meeting. Is that even though the nice goal on paper was to create a lot of opportunities and really deliver and grow together we first needed to establish personal connections. And mm -hmm. now about a year after where we actually did quite a lot together, we also did an kind of like you could call it internal capacity event where we would just met over a weekend in January and had trainings for each other on quite advanced topics usually. Um, but before we got to all of that, we became friends and we became each other's support systems. And that grew out to be for me a very beautiful thing of you know having people in my city some live like five minutes away from me that I can go to for 
conversation, for inspiration, for project planning, etc., etc. Because I was always so used to, right? I'm active now in student NGOs for around five years. I was always so used to of only getting this kind of um, collaboration, you know, online and through long emails and through overstretched online meetings. But being able to go physically. Um, to meet with these people is a really awesome contribution and uh, like a welcome change. So I would inspire everyone um, in their own cities to try to build something similar because it's really not that difficult. Um, usually all student NGOs have some kind of platforms or repositories of, of all the trainers around Europe. Um, so all you need to do is know one person from one NGO and it can usually connect you to a person from uh, your city. Yeah. And that's also like for, prof yeah, for professionals, it's, you could also do it just by getting to know colleagues or f friends of friends and then try to see what interests them and create some kind of local hub with people that have similar interests. In yeah, exactly. And I mean, for me, my, my message to everyone who is trying to do this is, you know, just don't be afraid because the potential is awesome and like the results that you can possibly create are super inspiring. And what's the worst thing that can happen is the person saying to you, I'm not interested, which mm -hmm. in the end is really not that chaotic. So I would just go for it. I am really, really enjoying our own local uh, community which I'm hoping soon to be called uh, Trainers Forum Local Hub Ljubljana. And yeah, I'm excited. That's awesome. To start wrapping up the episode, I want to ask you, do you have any tips or specific actions that you would ask a listener to take after listening to, the, to this episode? Yeah, so I would um, encourage everyone to do a little bit of self-reflection on their um, places in their trainer training communities. Um, one thing that I think we also don't talk about a lot is that every community has its expiration date, sadly, uh, which means that you as a trainer sooner or later will find yourself in a place of stagnation, at least. And I think a lot of people, uh, in training, come to this stage and then they kind of stagnate for a bit and then they just drop. Um, so I would inspire anyone to, uh, who is maybe feeling a little trapped or not as inspired as they used to be to do two things or one of two things, either dig deeper in the community that you're part of, you know, take up a different role, take up a different project, you know, do something that you always felt was not your cup of tea etc etc you know connect with people you've never spoke to before you know who you see kind of like floating around but never really personally connected so that would be one way the second would be to expand go out and explore see what else is out there because um for example when i discovered trainers forum and getting more involved with it i discovered a whole new world of opportunities right because this we call it trainers forum, that's true, but it's really a hub for all educators. So it connects people who do, who encompass roles that I never really heard of before. Like really there's, okay, coaches, facilitators that I knew, but they are people of completely different kind of mm -hmm. setups, entrepreneurs and um, social activists and yeah, that's true. People doing really interesting stuff that I never before really knew that existed. So I feel whenever, yeah, you're feeling that um, you're staying still for a little bit, that's a very good uh, prompt to go out and explore what else is out there. Because also it's, it's a two-way street, right? Even if you go out, you can always come back home. So that's also one thing that I try to do is I explore, I, I experiment, I challenge myself, but in the, in the end, I always make sure that I bring all of the knowledge and all of the skills and the attitudes and the new experiences back to my home base. Um, so to make sure that people who help me, you know, 
set the set off and find ground under my feet are also in the end the ones who get all of the exciting stuff um from my beautiful <laughs> ventures you said you had two points was there a second point yeah or did so i just miss it when you go out and you meet new people uh and you ask them for help and they offer help and you communicate a little bit with them and then you see okay this person is not for me uh i would say okay that's 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 great i mean we cannot be friends with everyone obviously but do give people more than one chance because in this community of educators especially we're all on our own paths of development we're all on our own stories on our own journeys and if you don't fit with one person on one point of your journey it doesn't mean that you won't fit with them on some other yeah so true and you just reminded me of a quote that i remember from our youth trainers academy that i i actually use a lot and it's that you can't please everybody not pizza yes Yeah, I remember that quote. I think I was the one who was sending it in the quote repository actually. <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally true. So, try to find a community where you feel like you belong or step out of your comfort zone in your current community to maybe learn something new or connect with different people. Thank you so much Katya for this lovely talk. And yeah, have a great day. Thank you and I'll see you at the next trainers forum meeting and i'll see all of our listeners i hope at another training community event and if you guys want to learn with us and join us in our online community we're holding a online training festival that's the name of it through trainers forum where there are about 20 trainers delivering different online training sessions about leadership personal branding self-exploration tons of awesome stuff just check out our website at trainersforum.org Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to get even more inspiration on Trainers Lifestyle and upcoming events in Trainers Forum, join our group on Facebook and follow our page on social media. We host a yearly conference and multiple local trainers meetings around Europe. The links are in the bio, but you can also Google Trainers Forum. Stay tuned and have a great day.